All right. So another day, another podcast episode. Uh, let's talk about failures. Yeah. I mean, please, please, please inform me. What have we failed about? I guess we can parse this down a bit further. We could we could talk about failures in the past. We could talk about failures with SAS. We could talk about failures with Fathom. We could talk about mistakes that we've made with Fathom. We can kind of go all over the place with this. Oh. <laughs> okay. I guess well, we could st- we could start with stuff before Fathom and then get into Fathom because we have made mistakes with Fathom and happy to talk yeah. about that. I'm happy to talk about my mistakes prior to Fathom, which I've talked about on Twitter, but I'll talk about on here as well. But no, you can go first. Um, what, what have you failed on? I mean, I didn't invent the wheel, and then Gary took mm. credit for inventing the wheel way back when I was uh, in my Gary. 20s. Fucking Gary, every time. Always Gary, yeah. Um. So Fathom is actually the first SaaS company, and I think I've started at least five, probably less than 10 SaaS companies. And this is the first one where it's worked out to the point where it's now my only job. So yeah. it makes enough revenue to pay the people involved, you, me, and the other folks that we work with. Dupree. Um, yeah, whereas all the other ones that I started didn't, didn't work out. They mm-hmm. either failed before they got off the ground or they kind of got stuck in that they're making uh, a couple grand a month but they couldn't like they couldn't grow out of that just like indie bootstrapped um software where it's doing okay to keep is doing well enough to keep going but not well enough to be sustainable in any true sense of the word right i see yeah yeah and i think i've i think i probably shut down half and i've sold the other half for small amounts, like under, I think all the sales, all the exits that I've had with other software companies have been under probably 50k US, where they've they've had okay payouts, but it's not like oh, I'm I'm set for life kind of thing. <laughs> Why did you sell these companies? Um, for for that reason, for the for the fact that they were doing well enough where they were generating revenue, but they weren't doing well enough to focus on them full time. And I think what it came down to for for all of them was that they were taking more time than the revenue that they were generating, right? So like if I can if I know I can make x amount of dollars doing like web design and client work, then if I'm or x amount of dollars selling courses and books. And then on mm-hmm. the SaaS it's like, well, I'm making a fifth or a tenth of what I make doing all of the other things that I do why keep that going? And I think the, the point of those businesses were that they were they were doing enough that kind of validated the idea a little bit, but somebody else could take the ball and run with it. For one of the companies, the, um, the WordPress plugin company that I sold, it had more support um, than was worth it for the revenue, right. where it was like, I just basically have to do support full time 
and I'm making a couple grand a month. Whereas with Fathom, I do support full time currently, <laughs> but Fathom makes a yeah. lot more money than than that business. So mm-hmm. it made sense to to offload that to somebody where their support costs were lower and they could make that work in like a suite of WordPress plugins versus just us selling a standalone one. Okay, but Fathom stunted at one two one three one four whatever it was one thousand five hundred. I think it was 1,400 MRR and the growth was very, very slow. And like, why were you, why were you not able to, or why did you choose not to invest in the previous companies and grow them further? Whereas with Fathom, we've, we took it like, you remember the days when it was Mm -hmm. really slow and I'm having to take time off of my freelancing stuff. So I'm losing money there. You're taking time off of, you know, course stuff and you're, you're losing money there. Why with Fathom, did you do it? And with the others, you didn't? I think because I didn't see a path. and I didn't see an easy path forward with those businesses. Whereas with Fathom, I knew that as we added more features, we would get more. Like we had enough product market fit to show that, okay, people want this. And we had enough like open source downloads to show that people wanted to use the software. But I think in those days when our MRR was like under 2K, yeah, and where it was like that's not enough for the two of us to live on and pay the expenses <laughs> that we had for our infrastructure. Like I could see that the path forward wasn't easy, but it was it was accomplishable, I guess. Where mm-hmm. I knew that if we launched some of the things we launched in V two, that like we were and and I mean it's still the case today where we get just as many emails from people wanting features as we do people wanting support with our existing features, right? Yeah. So I see that there is opportunity for growth where it's just us catching up on the development side of like we just have to build these features that everybody wants and i think for fathom when it was at that stage it was just like okay i know what to do whereas with the other businesses it was just like we built the thing and i think it's different too where in in the previous companies we built the solution like start to finish and then we launched it and it wasn't like oh we can add like this feature and this feature and this feature and this feature to make it better or more powerful whereas with fathom we launched with this is the bare bones that a web analytics software needs and then we know that we can keep adding to it we know that we can do things like integrate with google search console or teams or release an api like we know all of the features and it's just a matter of i really think that our growth will keep up with the things that we add to the software and so that's why I wanted yeah. to keep going with Fathom. It was still a like it was still a guess. It was still a risk, but it felt like an easier and more palatable risk to take versus the other things where it was just like, well, we finished building this software as much as software can be finished, but like the core suite of features is is done. So uh, how do we increase revenue? Well, shrug emoji. Okay. That makes sense, and I, like I, I would, I'm curious about what kind of marketing you were doing on your previous products. If you were, you know, pumping out the content, if you were pumping out the social media, what you were doing? Because you used the word easy to describe Fathom's growth, and I was, I just laughed in my head. It wasn't it easy. Wasn't, we like grinded no, it, on. <laughs> yes, so it wasn't easy. It was easy in that we knew what we needed to do in execution. Okay. It obviously wasn't easy because it's a like you and I work on this a bit more than full time every day. Right. So the marketing that I was doing. Yeah. And the marketing that I was doing was basically my MO. 
It was writing my weekly newsletter, sharing yeah. stuff on social media, doing guest writing for business publications, um, and doing hundreds of podcast interviews a year. <laughs> Just absolutely horrible, but I did it for a while. So, you know, and I think back that when we first started working on Fathom, there were a lot of things that you didn't want to do. And because I always describe you as the person that keeps me from doing things that are potentially stupid or a waste of time. But I and I describe myself as the person that will push into areas and sometimes they hit. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. we kind of balance each other out in in this great way. And so like, I just wonder how much you were even pushing on the marketing before because you had your course going. Like, yeah. I think about your course, like, cause, and also you call them a, a failure. It's not even a failure. Like how is selling for, I think, yeah, under 50, you said, how's that a failure? You know, <laughs> because I see what, I see what father makes in a month now. And I'm like, it could have, like, it could have grown to like, if I had been able to make it work, it could have grown to the size that fathom is right and then it could have sold for like there's no way under the sun we would sell fathom for like 50 grand like even <laughs> even one more zero two more zeros like it still doesn't make sense right oh my days yeah yeah no so, i don't know i think you've been i think fathom's been your most ambitious product um i don't like i, I knew i knew bits of what you've done before i, I feel like the content game there's been loads of things that have been different but I suppose, yeah. yeah, if it's all easy because you know what's coming next and you've got so many ideas on so many places to explore, then that's a different story. Whereas if you're like, okay, we're done. Now what? Like, mm. We've never had that feeling. We've, yeah. we've never twiddled oh God, our thumbs no. going, what should we do next? It's always been very, very clear. Yeah. And I think that the thing too is like I doing my tax, we're at the time of year for taxes and I look at my income this year versus previous years where it was just me doing courses and I was making more then. But not a ton more, but still more. And I think Fathom, but I'm not really, all, I'm also not that worried because I know that I know the potential for Fathom here is 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 pretty big, right? And yeah. I think that it's just, yeah, like, I mean, even with like, like I made more on courses than I, than I made with Fathom so far, but also Fathom has been around less time than, than courses. Um, yeah, for sure. But it's also, it's also like if a lot of that work that I was doing was work I didn't like to do, right? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to do a podcast interview or two a day sometimes. Like that's not fun. I don't want to have an audience. I don't want to be a, a public person on the internet. Like I like where things are now where I just kind of like a good day for me is like I can sit down and write a Fathom article or I can sit down and work on like UI or UX stuff for Fathom or even support. Like I don't actually mind support. The only thing that I don't like about, and we can get into current failures um, yeah. in a bit. So I want to talk about your previous ones too, but like I don't mind doing support. It's just, I also want to be able to balance doing the other things like design and writing. Yeah, um, for sure. So that's the only problem I have at the moment with that. So, okay. So let's talk about, um, all of your, all the things you did before Fathom and how those things worked out. Yeah. So I, my first venture into, I guess, business land was my own, oh no, it was actually either washing cars. I, I washed cars. I made some money. I, I learned about, uh, you know, expenses versus income and I had to have a certain amount left over how much profit I had, uh, all tax free, which was very nice. The benefits <laughs> of being a kid. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I did good with that, that scale. And then I learned, got a bit into not scaling it, but like I had my cousins help me and, you know, I 
um, pay them. And I don't know if I took a commission off of that actually, but it was still working with people to do stuff. And then we sold we sold sweets at school, candy, I suppose I should say for the American audience, candy, and made some money on that. Again, it was expenses and income. And I was aware of that and profit margin. And then I think when I was, I want to say I was 10, I mean, I was 10, probably maybe 11 or 12, actually, I had a hosting company temporarily. And I'll never forget, I think I sold a yearly package for 40 pounds or something. Maybe it was 100 <laughs> or 90. Blew my mind absolutely blew my mind i could not believe because you know these were the days where you would just buy you, the hosting companies would sell reseller packages so yeah, you weren't yeah. buying a vps and you had to do you were just a reseller you could sell shared hosting and that shared hosting allowance came out of your reseller allowance and then mm-hmm. someone had a vps somewhere and and yeah we saw i sold hosting i think that was the only load of hosting i sold then i did a bit of freelancing i used to spend hours to make five pounds people would want stuff um yeah i've been involved in projects when i was a kid i was involved in this huge project um i was you know missing school to work on it and it it, it completely failed that was hard I, that was that actually somewhat i'd say traumatized me and I, it kind of left a lot of baggage on me that i had to work to undo uh it kind of because at the time I was fearless right you know pushing stuff live I was coding 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 and then things went wrong and I didn't know how to fix them and I was a kid and I'm trying to fix them I'm trying to you know persuade my mum to let me miss school and all this stuff which obviously you can't really do if your parents are responsible that doesn't really work so I don't know what I was doing if I was pretending to be sick I I can't remember honestly but it was traumatizing because everything was just falling down I'd I'd written code where you know each post on say a chat room or a message board whatever it was was doing a whole bunch of queries so it was just so inefficient and everything was crashing and i didn't know why and we're dealing with about 200,000 maybe i think it was about 200,000 users peak and mm-hmm. i just wasn't cut out for it and i should not have been involved but somehow for some reason someone decided to hire a kid they were probably a kid themselves just <laughs> so and you didn't write tests them, there were no tests. <laughs> no, no, there were no tests and database queries were inefficient. Like honestly, if any developer saw it, they can imagine, you know, doing sums and where's and there were no indexes on the database. There was nothing. Yeah. And that really kind of really fucked me up in in kind of deep ways because I, you know, I failed really hard and just struggled. It was I don't want to throw out the word traumatic, but it it was intense for a kid, you know? Yeah. Would you let then, your kid miss school? Well, obviously, when she's older, she's young. But would you let your kid miss school to work on a business venture that she's working on? We absolutely. <laughs> My, I, well, no, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because it really depends what you're doing. So miss school in the sense of not get educate, ed- education, like say she was at public school or something. Um, I think there's it's tricky there because I think it borderlines on illegal. But if my kid knew that, she wanted to focus on business like I did, then yeah, absolutely. I'd, um, I'd let her, I'd, I'd homeschool probably because we're yeah. in a privileged position to be able to do that. Absolutely. I have, I, my mom had a very different view though. My mom had a view where she, you know, she was a single mom since I was really young and it was a case, it was all a case of risk, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and she didn't have much money. So it was always thinking and worried about things. Things could go wrong. And so she was hyper risk averse. And so the idea of me, even me going full-time freelance, you know, she was just pushed away from it. It was actually thanks to my mum's boyfriend at the time where he's like, he says to her, like, you've just got to let him try and actually go full-time freelance. And at that point, that's when things started working, but I'd wasted so much time in school, 
you know, and, and my college friends will remember this, but a lot of them were, they knew what they were doing in school with regards to web design and our teachers hadn't got a clue. And it was Did just you go to old. university? I don't remember. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I went, sorry, I went to sixth form, which is called college in the UK. That is, I think, 16 to 18. Okay. And it was a waste of time. School, you know, I knew what I wanted to do since I was probably 14, 15. And it was just, school was a big waste of time. I don't have very strong opinions towards school for people in, in my situation. You know, if you want to go and you want to become a scientist, I, you know, I'm not going to talk bad about school. But if you know what you want to do and you're ready to do it, like specialize. And I think they have something like that in the US at a certain age where you, you do specialize. But anyway, so I came out of that. It was quite traumatic. I stepped away from sort of web development for a long time after that. I'm sure I was still doing it, but not in a, a serious capacity. Uh, and then skipping through my first full-time job and all of that jazz and various failures in the agency world, I, st- I left my job in 2013 to focus on a product called Raw Games. And that was my big failure. And there was a lot of things there where I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So, you know, I'd spend two months building a CSS framework and making sure the design was good. And believe it or not, the design was good, but I'd spent two months doing it. Was that really a good investment of time? I'd spend time writing documents and making sure everything was structured perfectly. And you know what I realized looking back? I didn't know it at the time. I was experiencing something called analysis paralysis, which Mm -hmm. people should Google analysis paralysis. Because I'd had such a big failure previously, I was looking for ways that I could actually mitigate the risk. And I thought if I could just plan everything out perfectly, I'd be good. And I wasn't necessarily consciously thinking that, but I know that's what I was trying to do because then I just have a plan and I'd obsess with that and I'd spend more time planning something than actually building it. And so I think I kind of started to undo that when I started working with my consulting and working with Pico and Fathom. Obviously, that's not an option, but it wasn't until I started doing consulting at quite a high level that I actually started to undo that or just maybe just before that because my consulting went great and I was able to produce great work. But yeah, Raw Gains failed. I launched. I had no audience. I had nothing. I expected everyone to come. Uh, I didn't know how to market. I thought I'd have thousands of customers in the first few months. And I didn't know what I was doing. And so that's why a lot of businesses fail, because most people don't have a clue what they're doing. I'll build it, and then they shall come. <laughs> yeah. So that was, I've failed, I failed a lot, dude. I failed. So, I, and I'm not even going to get into all the little mini businesses that I started that I failed on. There's just so much failure. But each time I feel like I learned something from it. You know, I, I either didn't do something or I did something wrong or my expectations were wrong. And I said this on Twitter. I got very lucky. If you're setting yourself up with high expectations and you're hoping things are going to go a certain way, you need to be very, very careful because you can really fuck your mental health. So yeah. I'm very grateful that I didn't, go full in on that route i could have it could have been really bad because i was thinking oh yeah raw gains is going to be amazing my identity was tied in with it and again you know whenever you meet my friends you you ask them you know it was the thing i remember speaking to them about it i was obsessed i was it was my life and uh it failed and that's a big mental health hit and like i said i got lucky with it but it could have been a lot worse and yeah. the way that I started to succeed, obviously I got very lucky with finding you because we complement each other well, mm-hmm. was um, I like the Oasis song, Little by Little, because um, it's step by step, one little thing at a time. And I go back to version two and I remember us building it 
And I remember us, we'd have a task, we'd break it down, we'd execute. We had a task, we'd break it down, we execute. I look at how we do things now, and I know we're just, we're now getting on top of this, but we got into a pattern where we've got so much stuff to do and it's tricky to focus in on one thing. But the way we actually succeeded with version two was little by little, we'd strip things, we'd it was always one task at a time with Pico. I remember being at your house with, with Pico. Pico mm-hmm. had thousands of people ready to wanting to join the uh, registering usernames. And Pico was a project before Fathom for people that, that are wondering. It was a medium competitor. We're around your house. We're like, okay, what have we got left to do? Okay, we've got this. Okay, let's work on this. Do you work on this? I work on this. It was just one thing at a time. And so the way that you succeed, whether you're going to fail a hundred times or if it's the time you succeed through various luck and, and other things, um, you need to be doing things little by little, one step at a time. And I believe things that move the needle, and you need to do that. And that's how you succeed. So sorry, I know I went off a little bit. I do feel quite no, strongly fine. about a lot of yeah. this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, part part of why we're talking about our failures is to, if people can learn from them and not hopefully make the exact same mistakes, and then it's a win. Yeah. So I suppose even when, like right now, this is it's all normalized to us right you adapt with what's happening if i told my 16 year old self that how oh, i'm 28 now at 28 you'll be full-time working on a product that you love with amazing customers with a great co-founder i'd say that's amazing that's just absolutely amazing yeah. And so even when you're, you've succeeded by your own standards there are still going to be ways that you can fail and Dude, let's get into it. I would love to have a completely transparent conversation now about where we're currently failing and where we want to improve on. If you're down yeah. for it, no, I'm I'm happy to do that as part of this episode. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess what, what are we what are we doing wrong right now? Even even with Fathom doing well, what are we doing wrong? Because there are a lot of things I can think of. Yeah, there, and there always will be. I mean, at risk of me talking again and my mouth falling out from fatigue. Um, I'll start with development. So development, we have a whole bunch of things and sometimes it's hard because you're sort of juggling emergencies with features and and that sort of thing. And even time, you know, if I'm involved in doing some legal stuff, I'm not coding. But really the way that development fell down until recently was that we moved away from doing one thing at a time, one step at a time. And only with hiring a new engineer is I, I've seen him working. He's working through one thing at a time. I'm like, I fucking miss this. He's just one ticket at a time thinking about nothing else. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is, this is the glory. This is how we need to be uh, with, with regards to the development. And it's sort of motivated me to think about everything I'm doing and I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm like pushing back on talking about everything because you know I'm Mister I'm Mister 100 Ideas. <laughs> like, let's I know. Talk about stuff. You know how bad <laughs> it is. I'm I'm stopping that. And so even when you bring up stuff to me now, I'm pushing. But I, I don't care. Like yep. Because I'm I'm done. I'm t- I'm trying to turn a leaf, one thing at a time, and and that's how we move forward. And things have been phenomenal recently, and yeah. So development's just that we failed on development, I think, and we're shaping things up and getting better. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, a lot of it is you're right. Like we we moved away from this. Let's just ship a thing and get it out there. Um, and even if it's small, like let's just let's just get it live. Because I mean, I think, and you and I talked about this at the beginning of this year, is that a, a lot of the company is 
is, is led by features. Like I can't do as much marketing or writing or design work if there aren't features, new features to design and write about. Right. Yeah. So like there's the bot, like I guess trying to figure out and then alleviate bottlenecks is, um, yeah, we, we struggled with that. And I think we're getting better at that um, currently, but it's still been a struggle. I think part of it too is like you and I have never been in this position where it's like, well, things have, things have gone well, which is great, but things have gone so well that we now need to learn new skills. Like, bringing on contractors, bringing on like working with other people who are doing work that we might kind of know how to do or know how to do, but we just don't have time or don't want to prioritize that work. Like there's so much work with Fathom that it's too much for you and I to do. Like that's very, very obvious that, but it's a matter of, okay, well then if that's the case, then what do we farm out and what do we, what do we keep doing? Even with this podcast, like I edit this podcast and we could hire somebody to do that, but we also write articles off the back of the podcast where I have to listen to each episode anyways, three or four times um, to, to write the articles from it. So it's like, that makes sense for me to do. Whereas uh, other things, it, it just doesn't make sense for me to do. Same with you. Like it doesn't make sense for you to do all of the development work and mm-hmm. do some of the escalated support and the legal stuff like it just it's just it's it's too much and i think that we made some good decisions there like hiring the the engineer that we did we've made some not as good decisions in, in terms of delegation but like it's something that we're learning it's something that like i don't have like i have zero experience with that like yes i'm yeah. old yes i've been doing this forever but like i don't have experience building out a company that's more than the co-founders because it's not something I've ever done. So I'm learning and I'm adapting, but I haven't been in this position before. Like all the businesses that I've had that have succeeded, they've succeeded in a way where I didn't really have to do much more for them to succeed more. Like if I sell a hundred courses or like 50,000 courses, it's kind of the same amount of work. (laughs) Yeah. But for this, it's, yeah, for this, it's not. It's it's definitely and like we're going to get to a place where we need to hire again, um, probably soon, probably sooner than later. And like, I don't I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to figure out how or who to hire uh, when we need to bring somebody on for support. Because like, I don't have anybody in my network that's just like a, a support person, right? Whereas like developers, like you, between the two of us, like we know a lot of people, we hired the, the person yeah. that we did because they'd actually worked with you, right? So yes, yes, that's right. <sighs> yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I think hiring out support to someone who actually likes it will be fantastic. Um, and it's not, it's not even that, because again, you said, you know, you don't mind support. I don't mind support either, but I'm very, I'm hyper aware that when I spend time on support, I'm spending it away from doing other things. Mm-hmm. And I know support is so important, but there's just, there's certain things where I just think to myself, well, I shouldn't be doing this. And that's, you know, that's really what it comes down to. But that, yeah. that will be the next one. That will be the, I expect we'll hire on that. Like, yeah, we'll see, but I'm expecting we will hire yeah, on that. Yeah, me too. I, I agree. Um, what else? What else can you think of? Failures that we've made. Or failures that we're currently making. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, me hyping things in the past before they're ready has been a failure on my part. I've stopped doing that as much. I did <laughs> a little bit of a tease the other No, that was a small tease. Yeah, it I was. I did notice. Was. I did not. No, you did. You said a bunch of no, things were happening. No, and no then... I didn't. I said there was a secret <laughs> project and I didn't say what it was. 
No, I got to look up. I, I find the receipts, dude. Because you said a bunch of features that are coming and support did increase for those for people asking <laughs> about those features for when they were going to come. Google Analytics import is on the menu along with powerful Google Search Console okay. integration. What, what are we working on today? Right after this podcast, what are we working on? You're going to do some support tickets, young man. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no, we're, going to, we're going to work on Google Analytics import. Exactly. I'm not like so we're, things that are close. Okay, fine. I, okay, fine. But it isn't I, like I, we I, haven't started working on it yet. Well, we right? have. Like, we have well, somewhat. Well, we've started kind of early spec on it, but we haven't like, I haven't put pen to paper to design and our engineer hasn't put um, pen right. to paper for code I yet. Will, I will call <laughs> this on the podcast. I will be incredibly surprised if Google Analytics import is not out before the end of March. There you go. I publicly said it. Oh. End of March is soon. No, no, I'm saying it, dude. Because like, we're going to basically go full time on this feature. Yeah, so true. It's like me saying it's coming soon. I don't feel like that's wrong to say. Because it's like, if the th- thing on the list next is that. Yeah. Yeah, we've now got full time development capacity, so we'll see. I'll eat my words on a future podcast yeah. if it's not out by the end of March. I'm I also wondering if this episode will be up <laughs> by the end of March because we just bumped up the um, we just bumped up another episode that's going out uh, in a day or two. Plus, we have I think one or two in the hopper. But I can rejig things around, depending on if you're right or wrong. If you're wrong, I'm going to put this out sooner to make you look bad. Yeah, if you're right, sure. I'm going to hide this episode and nobody will ever hear it. Makes complete sense. No, that also, also, why I edit the podcast? Of course, yes. To add in, the, did you add the horn to the one of the episodes? Have you done that? I totally have. All, all episodes where the, it makes sense to add a stupid sound, I have done that. Okay, perfect. So we're succeeding on that front. Yes. We, like, and that's just it. We're succeeding in loads of areas. Uh, so it's it's all going good. But it's just those big failures, those things that affect lifestyle, those things that affect customer service, that kind of thing is where we can step up. Because it's not just a case of freeing up our time. Our mm. customers can get better support, which is huge. Like, mm-hmm. Imagine if we had someone that's relatively technical that can go back to our customers much faster than we can. I mean, to be fair, you're on support all the time. So we do give ridiculously fast responses where it falls down is when it gets to me. Cause I'm like, I've got stuff to do, you know, yeah. a lot of the time. And, it's, and it's so, and a lot of those aren't just like single line answers. Like, Oh, here's how you do it. It's like investigation needs to happen to figure things yeah, out exa- for some of those big ones. Exactly. So it's just a bit harder, but you know what? I think the first step with improving things is identifying what's not going good. And we're very, we're honest about that. We have good mm-hmm. conversations. And I think that that kind of commitment is needed to actually get through this and we will get through this and we'll we'll, we'll hire someone <laughs> <laughs>